Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening. And it is an emergency podcast version of the Daily Hammer. And unfortunately, it's not for, for the most positive of reasons. But in this situation, we always want to get as many perspectives as possible. And there are a few better when it comes to the Braves than one Eric Cole. Eric Cole has been kind enough to join me this evening. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I managed to appear into the podcast feed twice in the same night. Pretty excited about that. I think I've done it a couple times, but it's certainly not a regular occurrence. Uh, I wish it was just under better circumstances. Of course, of course. Uh, you can uh, Obviously, Eric is referencing the fact that on your news feeds, by the time you're listening to this podcast, will be a new show of the Road to Atlanta podcast, new content from the Battery Power podcast, and of course from the Daily Hammer, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. And of course, we'll talk with Eric a bit later on in the podcast about a name he used to talk about a lot on Road to Atlanta, Michael Harris's first career home run. But as Eric mentioned, let's get to the news of the night. Unfortunately, in last night's game against the Nationals, I believe it was the fifth inning, Ozzie Albies in an at-bat, um, during the at-bat, coming out of the batter's box, stumbled, fell. He immediately looked down at, at, at his lower body, um, struggled to get off the field, gingerly got off, went into the dugout, hobbled into the tunnel, and immediately speculation was out there that it seems something significant had occurred. Eric, we later find out, Unfortunately, it is a fractured left foot for Ozzy Albies. While there are many details still to come, it definitely is is a significant, significant development for Ozzy and the Braves. Yeah, and for me, just as someone who's watched Ozzy come up from the minors and then obviously his time in the major leagues, he's a very, very tough guy. And for him to just immediately come off the field, not even try to run out of ground ball, I knew that there was something that had to have been pretty significant. It wasn't something like a, like a slightly rolled ankle or something like that. Oddly enough, the only other real significant injury I've seen him, uh, he had a bit of a wrist thing when he was in the majors, but the other major issue that he's ever had was uh, oddly enough on a weird left-handed swing when he was in the minor leagues where he managed to shear off the tip of his elbow somehow when the ball didn't even him. Um, and, you know, that, Beyond that, like all the little teeny tiny injuries and, you know, the, the aches and pains that come with baseball, he's never going to be a guy that is just going to immediately pull himself out of a game like for that, something like that. So I knew right away that it probably wasn't going to be the best of news. Uh, there are certainly worst case scenarios than at least so far that we are aware of. Uh, doesn't appear to have been an Achilles injury, doesn't appear to be an ACL or anything like that. So, you know, there's certainly some 
uh, some silver linings, but overall, just it's a it's a real bummer just for a guy who is maybe not having the best offensive year, maybe not having the best year at the plate for at least according to his lofty standards, but is like a kind of a heart and soul of the team, a big energy guy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a blow for a team that is playing really well right now. And they're going to have to really find some other people to, you know, step up and take his place on, on a number of levels. And as you mentioned, you know, obviously Ozzy at the plate this season has not been, you know, his normal self, uh, you know, just across the board, the numbers are, are, are just trying to pick up a bit. The grand slam that he hit, you know, I believe it was, it was over the weekend. That was such a huge needed development, obviously for, for his offensive game to, to really get going. Seemed like he had kind of picked up the pieces, him and both Adam Duvall a bit over the past, you know, a, a week or so. Uh, but to your point, it, it looked like he was starting to get going just a bit though overall it's been a bit disappointing but at the end of the day the one thing that you miss potentially if Ozzy is you know it's likely he's out for a significant period of time but you miss that potential you miss the potential of a player who legitimately when he gets going can be one of the best offensive players at his position in the game we've seen many stretches of him being that over the past two to three years and so it's going to be tough to not see his energy and just his overall leadership out there every day but you're also going to be missing that goal glove defense and the potential that's there for him to be an absolute dynamo on offense as well yeah and you hit on a pretty important point is that defensively you're not going to find very many second basemen that are better than Ozzie Albies. Um, the, the Braves are somewhat fortunate in that, you know, they have some options that are at least capable defenders at second base, but it's just not the same as a guy who's just used to being out there is used to kind of the, the rhythms and the how movements and how guys like to receive balls that like, you know, Dansby at short or Matt Olson at first, just, you know, like where they like their throws you know, how to kind of I mean defense is not as simple as just catch the ball, throw the ball, right? It's it's like, you know, there's, you know, understanding people's tendencies, understanding positioning and things like that. And when you have a guy who's as adept as Ozzy is and then you lose him, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a loss. It's a, the, the team is worse now with Ozzy hurt. And, you know, again, they're going to have to kind of figure out a way to make this thing work. And hopefully we find out some news in the coming hours and days that maybe the injury isn't going to be something that ultimately ends the season and then maybe he'll be back, but that doesn't mean that the Braves don't have some things to figure out here pretty quickly. And of course, we'll start with the first point that you made with the fact that, and listen, we're not doctors. We're not going to act as if we are. You know, the the, the point of this is not to speculate, but the thing that I will say is, is that that's kind of what stands out about what the, the, you know, the trickiness of this injury is that you really have to wait for the details because there's so many different Um, you know, potential types of injuries to a foot that you can see with so many different potential timelines. So the first thing that stands out is, is that the details are going to be what's important on this specific injury. The hope is maybe it's, you know, six weeks to two months that, you know, that type of injury could occur. It could be longer. You just don't know until you get the specific details, which we're hoping, you know, maybe by tomorrow morning we could get. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to, I mean, it's, you know, are they going to have to do surgery on his foot? Are they going to mean once you in, implement any opening his foot up uh, or if the fracture is displaced or not displaced, you know, is it a list Frank injury? We've there's been, you know, I mean, list Frank injuries can take a long time to heal a long, long time. And, you know, you have, you know, are there multiple fractures? Uh, where are the fractures that involve any other types of ligaments or tendons? There's just, I mean, again, they just did an x-ray on the field that we found that we found out fairly quickly that he had fractured foot. 
But until he gets his in front of, you know, some specialists and, you know, they ultimately make those decisions, we're not going to know that information. And there were certainly a whole lot of people who thought they had medical degrees on Twitter tonight. You know, they were just, my mentions were full of people saying it looked like an Achilles injury and he was going to be out until next summer. Um, and, you know, that kind of blows my mind that they can look at, you know, a, a very not obvious sort of injury and make those make those decisions. And ultimately, I think it's important for all fans to realize that, you know, just let doctors look at get a look at him before they start, you know, trying to plan for trading for guys who have multiple team years of team control because they think that Ozzy Albee's career is done. Uh, it's it's a it's a tough situation to be certain certain that he will be out for a while. But there's a pretty wide variance in outcomes here, and you know, at the end of the day, none of us are medical doctors, and we just don't have that information yet. Yeah, not to hurt anybody's a potential speculation, but I don't think a trade for Cattell Marte or Jazz Chisholm is going to be on the docket here for, from this injury. But it does bring up a, a good conversation, and this is where, Eric, especially your knowledge comes into play. So whatever the outcome is to be with for a potential injury, we do know that the Braves are, are going to have to find a solution that makes sense. Obviously, at the center of that is the man that replaced Ozzy Albies, Orlando Arcia, someone that has had a better than expected year at the plate, though it may not necessarily be sustainable. Someone that I think at the very least is capable of handling second base. Not someone probably that you want to start every single day. He may be overexposed in that sense, but you at least have someone that can step right in. But then there becomes other options to potentially, you know, look at at feeling, you know, whatever spot Ozzy leaves. You know, you've got Kramer Robinson, who the Braves picked up in recent days, who's down in the minors as part of the 40-man roster. Don't really know of anyone that stands out on the Braves, you know, minor league side of things that could come up and make some type of instant impact. But this seems like a situation where, of course, you've got Arcia, but now it becomes interesting. This becomes a potential need. You could see the Braves going outside of the organization to potentially address if Albies is out for a while. What are your thoughts on that? I think that if he is out for the rest of the season, then maybe we could see something happening before the trade deadline. A lot of that will depend on the play and the like the short term of the guys. I, I don't think that making a deal out of the organization is particularly likely um, in the short term. I think that they'll let Arcia get, I would call the bulk of the playing time. That that can mean a lot of different things. But I think that in the short term, they'll let Arcia make a play. It's hard to make a, a, a trade deadline for a, a real asset until you get kind of closer to the trade deadline. So I think it'd be Arcia. And then it's almost like, well, who will the Braves replace Arcia with in that kind of that utility bench spot? And they have some options. On the 40-man roster, they just claimed Kramer Robinson about eight days ago. I think it was from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, but I think that there's a number of ways the Braves could make room on the 40-man roster, especially, again, depending on the nature of the injury and whether that a 60-day stint on the IL uh, would be warranted for Ozzy. There's other moves they could make, guys, that they could move remove from the roster, you know, and things like that to kind of make this work. But the two guys that kind of stand out to me as sort of infield utility options, the bench, would be Phil Gosselin and Pat Valaika. Both guys have played pretty well down in Gwinnett with, I think, Gosselin playing better of the two. Uh, he can play, play a little bit all over, and he can also probably throw him in the outfield. Uh, an old friend of the Braves, to be sure, and a guy they've kind of kept around probably for this exact same reason is to have a kind of a quad A type that can come up and, you know, give you some at-bats if you really need him. Uh, has a 831 OPS, I think, is where it, it was as of today. 
uh, down there in Gwinnett's hit for a little bit of power. I, again, temper your expectations. Don't think that he's going to come up and be, you know, the next big hot prospect or anything like that. But he's because he's been around for a long time. But he's a guy that could probably fill in ably and give you some at bats and maybe keep you from overexposing Orlando Garcia. Uh, and then Pat Falaika has been very similar, honestly, in a lot of ways. He showed a little bit of power, uh, particularly early in the season. Not hasn't hit quite as well as Goslin. But is another guy that the you know the Braves have kept around as a potential option for the utility as a utility guy can play can play around the infield. So those are options that are available to him. But it, it all depends on you know how how aggressive they want to be in managing their forty man roster, how much playing time they're going to want to give Orlando Garcia, and ultimately who they think is going to fill in the best defensively. Right now, I mean. Ultimately, out of spring, Orlando Garcia won the job that those other guys were competing for. So my suspicion is that they're going to let Orlando Garcia at least get a good shot at this thing. But those are the kind of guys that I would circle as the the biggest the biggest likelihoods of being called up tomorrow or the next couple of days to fill a roster spot. Now, in terms of the long term, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say that I think it's highly unlikely that Kettle Marte or Chaz Chisholm are going to be in the cards for a number of reasons. Uh, a lot of people want Chaz Chisholm, and I completely respect that, but I that kind of operates under the assumption that Ozzy Albies has somehow ceased to exist as a player, and you don't want to have Chisholm on your roster necessarily if you have Ozzy. But, um, you know, if they're going to make a move out of the organization, a guy like Brendan Drury from the from the Reds, uh, for one, since he plays for the Reds and he's not nailed down, it seems likely that they, they'll trade him, but also that, you know, he's actually hit pretty well for them as well. So if you're wanting for more of a not-crazy cost in terms of prospects which the Braves could not afford to pay right now uh given the state of the farm system than a guy like Drury from the the Reds seems more likely to me and the other aspect of things that stands out to me about this is that we talk about okay the fact is is that Ozzy Albies may not necessarily have been performing at his normal level so far this season but with his potential with his with the potential of his bat not being an option you know maybe for a significant time we'll go ahead and speculate this puts even more importance offensively on the consistency of Dansby Swanson, on Adam Duvall's, you know, recent developments, you know, in June where he's absolutely lit up the scoreboard. Michael Harris showing that he can adapt and belong at the major league level. In terms of the bottom of the ro- uh, the bottom of the lineup, you now need to see these players step up because with Ozzy out of the lineup, you're going to need to see these players start to produce more consistently. That's the other thing that stands out is that while the Braves are clicking offensively right now and they've got plenty of options to remain a high level of offense even without Ozzy Albies, it's going to take other streaky players getting more consistent to really make up for the loss of Albies over a significant period of time. Yeah, and they definitely have been uh, of late. Adam Duvall's looked a lot better at the plate, some actually some more competitive at bats, and you know Austin Riley is kind of a group, a guy I would group in there too, as a guy who's been a little bit off and on this year. Uh, Matt Olson has had his, you know, has had his ups and downs this year, but it just seems like lately, especially during this winning streak, that it's you know when you know the 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 usual suspects they don't really have their best games. You know, someone picks them up, whether it be a, a big Travis Darno home run, uh, Bill Contreras coming out of nowhere and turning into Babe Ruth behind the plate there. Um, you know, they, they just they keep getting big hit after big hit. And even when, you know, if you, you know, there's games where you like, you'd see, you'll see Ronald Acuna, you know, Matt Olson and Austin Riley combined for one hit all day and they still, you know, put up eight runs. And that speaks to kind of what this offense has been able to do. I do agree that there's certainly a more, you know, 
a, a worry that you'll have some sort of hiccups in the lineup along the way, and you'll end up having like stranding some runners on base when you have a less than optimal hitter in the in the fold. But uh, I will say one thing that's a little bit more concerning in a lot of ways is that this is a lineup that was already a little bit right he- ready heavy because uh, you have the two lefties in in Michael Harris, who's a rookie, and Matt Olson, along with. Ozzy Albies, who's that's his worst side of, of the two sides where he's a switch hitter. And now you don't have him as a lefty option as all. So now you only have two lefty hitters in the entire lineup. And maybe that makes them a little bit more likely to be victimized by bullpen management. But the, the new bullpen rules with having to face multiple hitters and things like that, that certainly decreases that some. But if you run into a team that has a lot of good righty relievers or is really righty heavy with the rotation, this could cause some problems down the road. But overall, I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is just that, you know, Ozzy Albies is an all-star and he's not on the team anymore. And that's kind of the biggest thing that you lose. And at the end of the day, he'll be recovering from injury. He won't be on the field, but you know, he'll, he'll still be in the dugout. But again, there's just a positivity. There's an energy there. I mean, when you go to the ballpark, I know Ronald Acuna is there. I know Austin Riley is there. I know there are several Braves that are a reason why fans come to the ballpark. At the end of the day, though, one of the most consistent positive forces out there. I believe one of the more fun players to watch in the game is Ozzy Albies. And so a significant time without him being on the field, you're going to notice it. You're going to feel it. And, and, it, it, you know, for all the reasons that we mentioned, but also just from a fan perspective, it's so much fun watching him play. The passion that he plays with, you know, it, just the great guy that he seems to be, it's going to be, you're going to notice him not being there. So at the end of the day, you definitely hope that he'll be back as soon as possible. And I know for me and Eric, we're hoping that that is certainly sometime this season and that he'll be back fully ready to play and contribute to what hopefully will be a playoff run for the Braves. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what Ron Washington is, is going to do before games. I mean, it seems like every day before the games, it's a half hour of fungo work between him and Ozzy just getting ready doing defensive drills. And now Ron's going to have to wonder what he's going to have to do with his time without Ozzy there doing those drills. Some other guys are going to have to step up and figure out how to catch the balls. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But while the loss of Ozzie Albies certainly is less than ideal to see, the Braves continue to make history in terms of their play on the field. Now, 12 straight wins. We'll discuss that in just a moment with Eric Cole when we return. So, Eric, obviously, the injury to Ozzie Albies put a bit of a damper on the night. But what a night it was outside of the Ozzie Albies injury. Eric, just a 
you know, I, I enjoy history when it comes to stats. So some fun stats for you here. So the Braves have now won 12 straight games. This is the fifth longest winning streak in Braves franchise history. Um, they, they, won, they won 15 games in 2000, 14 games in 2013. They won or 15 straight, 14 straight. They won 13 straight twice. The fifth longest winning streak in uh, Braves franchise history at 12 games, their longest since 2013. But what's even more fun, Eric, the Braves are now the fourth Major League Baseball team since 1901 to, in a 12-game winning streak, have at least 25 home runs and 80 runs scored. There have only been three other teams that in a a winning streak of double-digit games have been able to have 25 home runs and 80 runs scored over a 12 or less game winning streak. That's how impressive the offense has been. The Braves are really on a historic run, and it just keeps getting better with five home runs last night. Yeah, and they're getting them from all up and down the lineup. You know, you you know, on one night you'll have Ronald Cunha Jr. lead off the game, and you'll be the usual suspects hitting the home runs. And then on another night it's going to be you know Adam Duvall breaking out of the slump, Michael Harris hitting his first home run, Travis Darno hitting a ball that frankly didn't have much business getting out of the ballpark, and still managed to curve around that foul pole and get out. Uh, it's been kind of a while. They've they've hit they've hit the ones that are certainly not cheapies, and then they've hit the ones that have you know they've had a little bit more bad ball luck going around. So. When you're running good, you're running good. And at the end of the day, this is a team that's built for power. It's built to get its offense from the home run ball. And it's nice to see, uh, you know, these balls starting to jump off bats a little bit. And <laughs> I certainly would have expected that they were going to do it 12 games in a row and in such dominating fashion over this, the month of June. But they've certainly managed to do that, just that. And it certainly made pitching, you know, with that offense a whole lot easier. And I think that's taken a lot of pressure off, you know, the pitching side, which has you know been overall a really nice thing considering, you know, some of the, issues that they've had on, um, you know, on the mound this year. So overall, it's been a lot of fun to watch, obviously, you know, not just the long ball, but just the overall, the high quality of play and just kind of getting into that sort of rarefied air where you're, you know, when you win a dozen games, you know, that's a pretty rare thing to see, you know, straight in a row, you know, especially considering where they were before this winning streak started. And, you know, it was ultimately, it was a, it felt pretty bad out there in Braves country. Everyone was really, they were well below 500. There was a concern that the Mets were just going to run away with this thing and the Braves might not even make the playoffs. So now we're, there's an entirely different tone about the Braves right now. And that's, you know, that's frankly a welcome sight. And there are a couple of other aspects that I think have really contributed to this winning streak. Number one is the Braves' ability to score early. That is something that has stood out in this winning streak. Yeah, there were a couple of games in Colorado where they needed the the pitching to really be on point uh, from Spencer Strider and uh, Max Reed, if I remember correctly. Uh, But overall, the Braves have jumped out and they've jumped out early, given their pitchers enough support to really set the tone for the game and the offense to be able to produce. And it's not just home runs. They've done a much better job at creating and converting scoring opportunities. That ability to score early has definitely been a trendsetter for this 12-game winning streak. Well, they've certainly needed, uh, in the case of Ian Anderson, for example, tonight getting those, you know, getting six runs up early proved to be pretty important because it looked like that Ian just got left into that game too long. Uh, wasn't didn't look particularly sharp, and then once he got into the fifth inning, which while it wasn't good for the Braves for a very different reason with Ozzy being hurt, 
when Ian came out there for the fifth inning, he couldn't seem to do much at all other than throw fastball straight down the middle. And that extra cushion kind of allowed the Braves to kind of manage the game in a, in a different sort of way and not have to start burning, you know, their bullpen <laughs> almost immediately. Um, it, it's, it was a, it was a nice cushion to have, and it's also been useful for a guy like Charlie Morton who has seemingly struggled early in games. You know, when you put three runs up in the first inning, you know, when a guy gives up a two run homer or something like that, you don't feel immediately a sense of dread or feeling like you're behind. It feels like that you're, you know, you're still in control of the game. You just kind of, you know, you lost a little bit of your cushion and a lot of those, all those things matter. So, you know, it's made, again, it's made life a lot easier for the pitchers. It's made life easier managing the bullpen when you're, you know, when you're blowing out teams, you don't have to use your best bullpen arms. And those are the guys that you want to make sure are well rested for when you really need them in some of these close games, you know, you're going to have in any sort of winning streak. I mean, the Braves have certainly put up their fair share of offense, but they've had plenty of close games along the way. And, you know, having those bullpen arms of which they're frankly a little bit thinner than they were not that long ago due to injuries. And in the case of Spencer Strider, him being moved into the rotation, you know, you want to preserve those guys that, are going to be your workhorses as much as you can because ultimately you're going to need them on nights <laughs> on some nights that are outside of your control simply because, you know, another guy pitches really well too. And in those three to two games, you want to make sure you run out your best arms. So overall it's been, it's certainly been nice, but at the same time, the, getting those early runs early, getting the runs whenever you can get them is good, but you know, getting them early allows you to plan a little bit for the rest of the game. Another perspective aspect of this team that has, been night and day in June compared to, to, you know, especially late April and May is the overall production of the outfield, you know, and I'm not just talking about offensively. There's obvious factors here. Getting Ronald Acuna Jr. back, the closer he gets to 100%, you can't beat that versus some other version that you had. But on a nightly basis where you were running out Adam Duvall and Marcelo Zuna in left field, plus a Travis Demerit or experimenting with the William Contreras or Orlando Arcia in the outfield for many nights in, in, in April and June, to now where you also have the defensive alignment of Duvall and left, you know, Azuna at DH, Michael Harrison center, and Acuna at times in right field, it's a night and day difference, not only offensively, but defensively. The overall production of the outfield has been great to see, and it just goes to show what this team of Kate is capable of when all aspects of it are playing at their best. Yeah, and Adam Duvall had actually played reasonably well in center field, but I don't feel like that that was suiting him just overall. Uh, it, it, as soon as you got him out of center field, all of a sudden he started hitting again, right? So it feels like that he's kind of put in a position where he's a little bit more comfortable, and now he's starting to hit again. And more importantly, just, I mean, Michael Harris is going to mess around and win a, and win a gold glove out there in center field. And, you know, this is only after, what, a two-week uh, experience out there in center field. He's among the, the, the leaders in the position and outs above average out there. He's put up some real highlight plays with that with that barehanded diving catch, with the the running back diagonally and catching that ball that he had no business whatsoever catching. Uh, he, you know, when pitchers make mistakes and they make mistakes, or when good hitters, you know, hit good pitches, you know, at the end of the day, you need the guys behind you to make plays. And when you're running out, you know, Marcelo Zuna and left, or you know, you know, running out guys who are basically Easter Island statues out there it you know you get punished more for those so when you have guys who can actually run make plays for their pitchers and you know make plays with their arms uh, acuña and harris are both really good adam duval had a great play with his arm uh, to, uh you know tonight you know at the play at second base so those are all guys who know how to play defense and you know know how to you know pick their pitchers up and to you know get extra outs when you normally wouldn't be able to get them so it's you know 
offensively, it's been great. You know, seeing Ronald Cunha Jr. just, you know, continue to show us why he's the best player in baseball is great. Uh, but at the same time, having a guy like Michael Harris, who, you know, covers so much ground like he does, putting Adam Duvall in uh, more positions to be successful and positions where he's comfortable. And it's just, it's been, it's been, again, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a night and day difference in terms of, you know, when you look at the outfield configuration and you just shake your head and just hope they don't hit the ball to left field versus now where you feel comfortable with the ball being hit pretty much anywhere. It, it started with Michael Harris being called up, but, you know, all the three of those guys have been playing really well. And then we'll wrap up with this, Eric. The other exciting thing to see, as we mentioned a few times, and I know especially uh, with your passion for Braves prospects and, and, you know, prospects in general, Michael Harris being able to connect with his first home run. Now, the thing that stands out to me is this, is that Michael Harris has certainly seemed capable at the plate from the beginning. You know, had a first few rough couple of games, but that happens. But there seems to be good contact potential. Yes, I will say that there's been a lot of, you know, putting the ball on the ground, more than, you know, you may necessarily like, but you, you see that at times. He's at least making contact. But now with this home run tonight, we've seen him put some some power into some extra base hits. Again, a lot of them on the ground, but you're starting to see some potential of him driving the ball. And as you mentioned, I know in a few, couple of group chats we've been in, the overall ability for him to do that to the opposite field should continue to serve him well. It definitely seems that he's making progressions in terms of learning major league pitching and being able to do something with it, not just from his home run tonight, but he's held his own pretty well. I think that trend continues as the season goes on and he learns more approaches that people have for him. It was good to see him take one out tonight. Yeah, I mean, Michael Harris is not a slap hitter. He's not, you know, you're not looking at what like Tony Gwynn, Blake Boggs type thing. He has always been a guy in the minor leagues that he would be happy to hit the ball the other way, uh, whether that to be to the gap or, or just, you know, right over the shortstop's head or, you know, through the ground as the first single. And, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, a development that he made when he was trying to make sure that he wasn't get beaten by change-ups from righties on the outer on the outer third, just to make sure that he's, you know, defending those pitches well. He's learned that he's a he can hit the ball the other way, and that's just kind of the kind of hitter that he is. But make no mistake about it, that guy has a ton of raw power. He was one of the – he was when he was in Mississippi, if you were looking at purely at exit velocities – he was at the top of the list, and that was going the ball the other way. Or if he, you know, found a pitch that they were throwing inside, and he and he guessed right, this ball, this guy can hit a ball a mile. He puts on impressive batting practices. So while again, the power numbers don't always play in games as much as maybe we would like, because again, he is again perfectly fine with just taking his hit, getting on base, making plays with his legs, taking those extra bases, you know, on grounders and things like that, forcing the issue which is what he's done in Atlanta so far. Make no mistake, this is a guy that can hit for power. And if he continues to kind of learn how other opposing pitches are going to hit to him or pitch to him rather and continue to kind of refine his approach at the plate, figure out what his approach is going to be in certain situations and when he wants to turn on a pitch, then you're going to start to see some pretty special stuff from him because while he's been good so far, we've seen him be significantly better. And that's not just, you know, that's not him, you know, striking out and making bad plate appearances. He's just, you know, kind of figuring out exactly where he wants to be and when he wants to start doing some real damage. And when he starts figuring that out more and guessing a little bit more correctly and squaring some balls up, you're going to see some balls fly pretty far to all fields. 
just in seeing the minor league numbers, and, and again, I'm not going to act as if I, I, I monitored his minor league career to the point that you have, Eric. Michael Harris has always seemed to be uh, very mature for his age in terms of his approach, in terms of his consistency. doesn't ever seem to be too lost. He definitely seems like he's a type of guy who is going to be able to make it stick, going to be able to make it work. And and now with, with Albies out potentially for a significant period of time, you know, Michael Harris figuring it out and becoming a consistent offensive contributor, that's needed now more than ever. Eric, before we wrap up the show, do you have anything else? I know obviously you've got the Road to Atlanta podcast out for people to enjoy uh, free on all podcast platforms. What else you got for us as far as potential for coming up from you here in the next uh, coming days? Uh, well, just make sure that you check out the site. You go into batterypower.com. Our minor league recaps go up every single day, except for oddly enough tonight because we don't have any minor league games on Mondays, at least most of the time. Uh, we do have a bit of a weekly recap of what's going on in the complex ball. So if, if you're wanting to know what's going on in the, the Florida Complex League or in the Dominican Summer League so far, we're going to have an update going up for you on Wednesday. We're ramping up our draft coverage as we speak. I had our draft primer go up last week, and that's going to continue to go more and more as we get closer to the draft. And I just want to tell all the listeners, make sure to follow you, Sean, on Twitter. Uh, you're, you're doing a great job with this podcast as well as with all the content you're putting out. We really appreciate you. Hey, I, it always is a pleasure, especially to speak with y'all, and I can't thank you enough. You could follow um, Eric at Leprechaun, Leprechaun, obviously, on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC, the Road to Atlanta podcast, Battery Power podcast, The Daily Hammer, free on all podcast platforms. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to get the latest content, but also find all the content at BatteryPower.com as well as at Battery Power SBN across all forms of social media. We're hoping for the best for Ozzy. Hopefully, it's the best news possible once we finally get the details later on today. Until then, for Eric Cole, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. (laughs) 